All right. Welcome to another fabulous episode of My Orgasmic Life. And I'm your hostess with the mostest, Guy Morissette. And we have returning with us, Lindsay G. Hello. Favorite, as I call her, our porn expert. She has lots of other titles that she goes by, but that's my favorite one. So that's what I call her. (laughs) I like that one. Putting expert on the end of anything makes it sound so cool. Isn't it awesome? So, uh, Lindsay, you want to quickly introduce yourself to the world uh, for any of our new audience, new listeners? Yeah. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Lindsay G. Um, I am, as Gaia said, a porn expert. Uh, I got that way by basically being a journalist that covered kind of the pornography beat in America for about 12 years. Um, I worked in a variety of capacities, but I've had work on the porn industry published in a whole bunch of places. I wrote a book about my experiences, which is called Watching Porn. Um, And I also am currently working on a graphic novel about an indie porn star named Tracy Queen. So that's kind of my credentials. Nice. And this is why we come to you with all things porn related. Okay, so for our audience, a couple of different housekeeping things before we get into our conversation. Uh, one, today's episode is brought to you by Tickle.life. Two, uh, talking about ethical consumption. Um, the way to ethically consume me is to support my <laughs> Patreon account as you uh, enjoy our amazed, mortified, engaged, all the things on my orgasmic life support me support the overhead cost of showing up for you guys show up for me so i'm going to like put all the uh, how to become a patreon member for as little as five dollars a month you can support and be ethically consuming me Sounds like a good time, if you ask me. Uh, I know, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay, so let's get into our conversation. Ethical consumption of porn. What is that sentence? What is, first of all, let's just start with what is that sentence? Right? I was thinking about this before, and I, there's, I feel like two ways of, of coming at the topic. And the one is, how can you make it as ethical as possible for the people who make it? you know, the performers, the producers, um, and then how can you make it ethical for yourself in your own life? And those are, you know, the two sides of the porn coin. So I think we can probably keep it to those two topics. <laughs> okay, that we always talk too long. So, so recently, it was very, very fascinating. I was uh, working with a client earlier today, and they're all like, oh, you're all dialed up, must be doing a, must be doing a podcast. <laughs> Well, yes, I am. And they're like, what are you talking about today? I'm like, ethical consumption of porn. And my 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 you know client was like, ooh, that seems fascinating. And uh, but he was like, I don't have the attention span to listen to a podcast. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> and then I said, Well, you can watch this on YouTube. And he was like, All right. So he joined my YouTube. He's like, I said, you can watch past ones. And he's like, Wow, you two seem to talk a lot. <laughs> we have a lot to say. God we have damn it! A lot to say. 
So if your attention span runs low, I highly recommend pausing and then coming back and watching it and listening, watching or listening um, a little bit later. And you don't have to, you don't have to take it all in in one sitting. Yeah, consume in little bite-sized pieces. pieces. Exactly. Yeah, Whatever, it's better for the digestion. What, exactly, your digestion <laughs> of the content. <laughs> right, right. All right. So let's start with which side do you want to start on? Well, let's start hmm. on the, the, the I, I would like to start on, I know I asked you the question, now I've like recanted <laughs> the asking of the Go question. <laughs> <laughs> Changed my mind. I don't really care where you want to start. Uh, it's your show. It's your show. <laughs> Is that let's start with um, how do we make our consumption of porn uh, supportive and ethical of the people who are making porn and um, and then and, and break that down. So where go? Well, I was thinking about this earlier, too. And the answer at this point is kind of complicated, honestly, like the. The easiest way to answer that question is always pay for it. If you are in a position where you can afford to pay for your porn consumption, that's the best and easiest way to be supportive of the people who are making it and to make sure that you're getting it from a reputable place that does its best to pay performers well and, you know, treat everybody right. Um, that being said, it's getting harder and harder to actually pay for porn on the internet because the banks and payment processing companies and credit card companies have been very much cracking down on sexual content online. So um, it's not it's not as simple an equation as it used to be to just say pay for your porn. Um, yeah. It's, it's always getting fucked with basically. <laughs> oh, am I allowed to say the F word? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, because the fucking banks are jerks, um, and they really seem to hate people who make porn, so um, that's getting tougher to do. There, are... And that's not just the porn industry. That's, mm -hmm. I'm being affected by it. Your sex educators are being affected by it. Any sexual-related education, uh, training, um, all the way to the whole gamut of anything that yeah. has to do with human sexuality is getting censored and is, is making it really, really tough. Yeah. Um, I've been doing a whole lot of actually like investigating why that is kind of the historical uh, precedents and the people who have kind of been behind this movement for a long time. And it's been a long time coming. There are a lot of people in much more powerful positions than I used to think who really don't want people to have access to sexuality and sexual content online. And right now they are, I don't know if they're winning necessarily, but they are having a lot of influence. So um, yeah, it's getting harder to pay for things unless, you, unless you're big into cryptocurrency. Most places are processing cryptocurrency at this point, um, but that's you know obviously not available to everyone. But all that being said, still the best way to make sure that you as a consumer are doing the best that you can to promote the ethical production of pornography Okay, let's, making... oh, let's, okay, so let's define that because I think we need to put some real definitions into, well, what is ethical production of porn? Yeah, and that's also a tough one because it can really look different for different people. Um, 
in different situations. Like, you know, some folks might say, look at like a really kinky scene between several people where there's, you know, whipping going on or, you know, any number of kinky things. They might look at that and depending on where they stand on their personal feelings about things, they might think there's no possible way that could be ethical. And that's the end of the conversation. For other people, obviously, there's a lot more nuance between what's okay and what's not okay. So again, it's a tough topic. I would like to create some clarity though around that. As somebody Mm -hmm. who works in the world of kink and BDSM, um, that, and I do a lot of conversations about like, it's not, you know, people are like, you're abusing people. I'm like, and the difference between consensual play and non-consensual play and um, what is safe, sane and consensual versus what is abusive. And I think that we can apply those same constructs to looking at porn production because if we come from a place of what we think our morality is about what's acceptable Mm -hmm. sexual behavior and what's unacceptable sexual behavior that does not define ethical creation because what is something that is a turn on for you may be something that is traumatic and triggering and not a turn and a turn off to somebody else that doesn't change the ethics of it though the ethics is is everybody participating consensually? Is everybody participating of age? And is everybody of their right sane mind to give consent? Yes, yes, exactly. And I love that you just drew a distinction between morality and ethics. Um, Because A, I think that's a difficult topic generally, but I think especially when it comes to sexuality, because most of us, you know, were raised in this very puritanical culture where they're basically presented to us as the same things Mm -hmm. and they're not. Mm -hmm. Your personal morality defines what you deem to be okay for yourself in your own life. Ethics dictates what is okay for people to do, how people treat each other. And your personal morality works for you. Cool. Awesome. I dig it. But you cannot put your own personal version of morals onto other people's bodies and decisions and lives because it doesn't apply to other people. And I think that (laughs) that's behind a lot of what we were just talking about with payment processors and banks trying to dictate what you can and can't buy online. That's trying to put somebody else's morality onto all of us. And it freaking sucks. Um, Yes. Don't be that guy. Don't, don't be that person. <laughs> don't be that person. All right. Yeah. Um, okay. So with that definition of, of consent, giving proper consent, doing no harm, long-term harm to yourself or others, falling into those categories, um, how do we see that from a production standpoint? So those are like yeah. the, 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 the people who are actually uh, making it. And then what would that look like on the next level of the production team? Well, um, again, this is one of those things that's kind of in flux because the industry is changing so much, partly to deal with all the new rules online and partly because of the pandemic. Um, For a long time, you had big porn studios that had sets and they had actors and they had crews and they had, you know, editors and the whole the whole machine 
um, in place to produce and distribute pornography. And in those cases, you had a lot of people involved, all of whom needed to be there consensually, be being paid fairly for their time, be making informed decisions about what they wanted to be present for and not. You know, then there was a question of, are people being paid enough? Do they have craft services available on set, you know? <laughs> um, and the sad truth is that particularly over the last year, because of the pandemic, that type of production is not happening as much no. anymore. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's in flux as to, you know, when you look at a porn production, what you're looking at and who is involved at this point. Um, but uh, if you are a person who prefers that kind of like big production where there's maybe a script, you know, and a plot and all of that, um, that material is still being made. It's just a lot rarer than it used to be. And my advice for anyone who's into that kind of thing would be before you watch anything, download anything, purchase anything, um, just, you know, do a Google search for that company. Find out who made it or find out who is in it even. Sometimes you can find out a lot about uh, a production just from the people who star in it. Do a Google search. If they're a company who is interested in treating people well, making sure that everyone there is safe, sane, and consensual, they're going to have that all over the internet. It's going to say that in their Twitter bio, you know, mm. that's, that's not to say that there are, you know, companies who don't really talk about that, who must therefore treat people terribly. That's not true. Um, but if you are a person who's really interested in ethically produced porn, just do some Google searching. I mean, yes, you will come up with a lot of porn if you put in the title of a porn company into Google, you'll get a whole lot of porn that pops up. Um, but you can do quick research into a company and find out if that's something that they really pride themselves on or not. Um, and it's kind of funny how, like my, my personal motto for like everything is have a question, Google it. But that doesn't apply so much in people's minds, I think, when you're talking about porn. Um, mm -hmm. But the reality in my experience as a journalist is that the people who are really interested in making sure that they're producing porn ethically, they talk about it. There's gonna be interviews with them. They're gonna be featured in articles. They're gonna be putting it, like I said, in their Twitter bios. Like they want you to know that they are trying their best to produce their porn ethically. So it's not a huge mystery. <laughs> Okay. So, so that's one, one piece. So then we got things like what's, I mean, you know, we talked a little bit about some of the trends with COVID around, you know, yeah. web, web, uh, sex online, fan only, these kinds mm -hmm. of, uh, basically amateur. Yeah. Um, um, so how do you, what's your thoughts on that around? Like, how do you do some, you know, finding out whether this, is this a person who's under distress or is this, um, are they moving from a place of, you know, ethics, their consent, they've given consent, they're not being forced into it, the, all of this. Yeah, that's way tougher. Um, if you, especially if you're getting into like live webcam shows and like OnlyFans kind of, you know, direct from the creator to the consumer. Um, it's a lot harder to tell what's going on. There are some people who are really, really 
big into like letting their fans see all of them. And those people might be really clear with where they're at most of the time. But, um, you know, people who are working, especially people who are getting most of their income from cam shows or from OnlyFans or, you know, services like that, um, it's in their best interest to really curate the experience so that no matter what's going on with them, they always seem bubbly and bright eyed and really into it because obviously, you know, that's what people want to see. Um, so you can't really, I don't think you can reliably look at an OnlyFans account and really know what's going on with that person. But I also think that particularly due to the pandemic, um, people from all walks of life have started OnlyFans accounts or have started camming or you know any variation of those things. Um, and in some cases that may not be somebody's dream job, but they may not have had other viable possibilities for making money during the pandemic. And um, again, I feel like people's comfort levels with what people choose to do to make money during difficult times, that may vary from person to person. But I would argue that just because someone decided to go into sex work to make ends meet does not necessarily make that a bad decision. Yeah, so then we, it comes back to our consensual saying, mm-hmm. you know, it's our, our sane consensual space, right? Safe, sane, right. consensual. Meaning that I may consciously decide to go and do some sex work in order to pay my bills. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm not moving from that place of safe, sane, and consensual. Because mm-hmm. I've consensually chosen to do that. And so there's that piece around internally, I think, within yourself as a consumer to decide what is it that arouses you? Like, so for example, me personally, and this is only my, and I'm prefacing this, okay? This is my, my own preference. There's no judgment behind this statement whatsoever, okay? (laughs) All right. I, if I, first of all, I'm a, I prefer audio or story like written porn, story porn. That's my own personal choice. I want to read and then I can make everybody look like do whatever I want them to do. So that gets me off the best. But if I'm actually going to consume and watch porn, I prefer amateur porn. And I listen to my instincts about it. Are they really getting off? Are they yes. getting off? Are they, like, are they aroused? Are they coming? Are they really engaged in the experience? If they're engaged in the experience, it doesn't really matter for me what their motivator is. Is that clearly in that moment, they are having a good time and they are okay with it. And right. therefore, my arousal response is in the legitimacy of the real rawness of sexuality. I am actually watching people having sex or whatever that is, is getting off. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. for me, that's my, that's my preference. And that is usually a good indicator for me, especially of what I do for a living. Um, I spend a lot of time in 
all sorts of different worlds and in, in the sex trade world in working with couples I spend a lot of time in all sorts of places and when somebody is really dropped into not always but majority of the time when people have really dropped into being present in the moment they feel safe so they, they can be present and they are having actual orgasms because they are getting off on what they are doing which is that you're getting yeah. off on watching them do what they're doing and so that's a kind of like a standard for me to pick up on this is a good space for me to consume this somebody's not present somebody's faking their orgasms somebody isn't really there there could be some potential reasons behind that mm -hmm. that's not hot for me I don't really want to participate in that and so I'm out of there yeah yeah I'm really glad that you brought that up actually because um that kind of that kind of like qualitative judgment I think can be difficult it's difficult to convey, you know, um, as to like, well, does it look like the people are having fun? Um, because, you know, for various folks, um, that can be hard to recognize, you know, especially for folks who maybe like, say, on like the autism spectrum, who have a hard time picking up on like facial cues, you know, that may not be something that they can just look at and be like, oh, yeah, I can tell that person's having a good time. Um, and, you know, sometimes it is hard to tell. I remember once, like many years ago, when I was reviewing porno DVDs for magazines, um, I watched this one scene that blew me away. Like the actress was having so many orgasms and I was so into it because I like she was so authentic about it because that also is a big, you know, trigger for me. I love when I feel like the people I'm watching are really, really into what they're doing. For me, that's all I need. Um, and then it was like, I don't know, maybe a year later, I can't even remember how I came, came across it, but there was uh, an interview with that same actress backstage during the filming of that movie that I had been so into. And the, the journalist asked her if those had been real orgasms and she said, no. She had a hundred percent fooled me. And I was like, I doubted everything in that moment, you know, like I thought I knew what was going on and I was an expert, you know, I was used to watching this stuff. So sometimes it's hard to tell, but I would venture to say that even if, even if maybe you're being fooled by a very well-trained actor, um, there's but still, there's still a qualitative difference if the people are engaged with what they're doing and they're having a good time maybe not everybody's going to have a billion orgasms every single time, but if they look, you know, like they are in a healthy place, I guess, you know, well, if I if, would say like, even, so that would have been a highly produced, an actress that could do that, yes. meant that she was a highly produced porn. Like we got high production yeah, porn. Yeah. So that means that there is, you know, talking, consent, you know, she, she's choosing to hone her, her, her orgasmic acting skills. Yeah. Um, meaning that she is engaged in it. Like she's, she's, whether she's actually having an orgasm or not, she's still engaged right. in the activity and it using it as a, it, a, a acting 
because it's a highly produced, highly produced experience. Yeah. And she was getting paid a lot of money for it. And getting paid (laughs) big bucks. So that's, I think the other part of that is that when we start talking about like when we're talking about like amateur porn, it's hard to fake an amateur porn, meaning you're not a, you're not a trained actress or a trained actor, right? That's not what you do. So, you know, you can tell more often than not, you can tell the difference. Actually, you know what? I need to change how I was going to say that. You may not be able to tell the difference if you have not had a lot of experiences with what real orgasmic expression looks like. So I need to reframe that a little bit differently because I can tell because I have a lot of experience with me, my orgasms, other people's <sighs> orgasms, lots of orgasms, right? I'm an <laughs> orgasmic connoisseur. I like that. Put that next to your name in bios. Yeah. Orgasmic connoisseur. Um, (laughs) So it's like a wine connoisseur, right? Or somebody who never drinks wine. Somebody gives you a bottle of wine. You don't know if it's pieces crap or if it's actually like really good wine, right? Like we haven't really like really got your taste buds around it. You don't really know. Yeah. I would still say, listen to your instincts. Does it feel good? Are you drawn in to watching it? Or is there a part of you that's like, mm? Yeah. And that, mm, and where you're kind of pushing away and pulling away from it could be a couple different reasons. One, it could be your own judgment and morality kicking in. Uh, it could be your own triggers from trauma-based stuff. Um, but it also could just be your intuition that's saying something's off about what mm-hmm. I'm seeing. I don't want to participate in it. It doesn't, yeah. any one of those reasons are valid reasons for you to turn off that board and find something else. Yeah. And it's valuable training for you as a consumer to get a feel for what's okay for you and what's not. And also if if you see something that makes you feel bad, move on because there's something else that you can find that's probably better for you and probably better for the people who made it that is gonna, you know, click all of your buttons. <laughs> so no need to spend time on the stuff that makes you feel weird. Just move on. Just move on. All right. Yeah. And if there's lots of that happening, then I highly recommend reaching out to me for us to have conversation about what it might be the first two morality or trauma-based stuff. Yeah. And with amateur porn on the internet, that can be a tough one because uh, depending on where you're watching it, it may or may not have really been well curated content, which means, you know, if you're watching it on like a free tube site, it's likely that someone just uploaded that like from their phone or whatever. And that means that they may or may not actually have the consent of the people in the video to have that material posted online. So I would recommend if you're someone who is interested in ethically consuming porn, um, if you are looking at amateur content, try to find a website that will curate that for you. Um, That may mean paying some money to have access to that website, but the money literally goes to pay people to curate that that experience for you and to weed out non-ethically produced content. So um, maybe at the end, like I have a few suggestions for folks who might want to 
know where to point their mouse. Um, Excellent. And that's, that's been one of the big thing that's, that has been going on uh, is that Pornhub, which is kind of like the king of not curating the porn that is on their website and then letting everybody watch it for free has gotten into a lot of trouble recently because they were not curating well. Like they said that they screened all of the things that got uploaded, but they clearly did not because people were finding things on Pornhub that were blatantly illegal should not have been up there. There are lawsuits pending. Like it was, it was not good. Um, and yeah, you don't, you, so if, if you're on Pornhub, um, actually at this point, not so much, they have changed a lot of their policies at this point, but previously, if you were on Pornhub and you just looked for something that sounded like you would like it, you had really no idea most of the time if what you were watching was uploaded with the consent of the people involved. Um, and that is a big liability. So uh yeah i i would just steer away from that for now <laughs> find some place where you can see like right on their front page how to contact the people who curate the content on this website um where you can register a complaint if you see something that doesn't look good to you you know uh make sure that wherever it is that you are consuming your porn makes themselves as transparent as possible because if they're doing that it means that they want to be showing you ethically made content. And that's a really easy place to start from. So weed and yourself I, out of those nasty, gross corners of the internet if you can. <laughs> yes, and I, I like that piece around. So here, let's let's drop into what isn't ethical. So that, cause I, I, I think a lot of times it's just like type in whatever gets you off and then you get off on watching whatever you're watching. And I think the idea of ethically consuming or looking at whether or not this is okay or not okay is not in the wheelhouse of how, first of all, we haven't been taught how to use porn because this porn's right. evil and bad from a societal standpoint, right? So, yep. so there's a lot of guilt and there's a lot of shame. So I think we don't even know what is the places that would be not okay. Right. Yeah. So that, that piece, like you just said, you don't, you know, somebody could non-consensually making something in their own space and all of a sudden it gets uploaded. They didn't, mm -hmm. they didn't give permission that it was, this was like a personal experience that was theirs that now is on the internet. That once it's on the internet, you can't get rid of it on the internet. Yep. Um, which happens a lot. Yeah, it does. How, how often do we actually even think about, is this what's what I'm watching? Right? Yeah. When we look at uh, what we're watching, how about age? Let's talk a little bit about, you know, age, right? There's all this, you know, underage um, sexualization, um, yet underage is kiddie porn. Like it, under the age of 18, not cool. That's, that's abuse of children. That's abuse of children. Don't watch that stuff. Don't watch that. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's different if you wanted to do explore age play from a kink perspective, then I would highly recommend going to kink.com. They're pretty good about uh, mm -hmm. making sure that all actors and actresses, they've all have their photo ID. They got their things, all the stuff to make sure they are legit who they are. Um, so, you know, find somebody if, if you're into that kind of play, make sure that they are actually of age, 
Yeah. Yet they look really young and they can play the character and they can do all the things, right? So it's like, these are the things that need to be addressed and need to be looked at on how do we get our arousal needs met within the fine, within the confines of ethics, not morality, but ethics. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to piggyback on what you just said, I would say that generally, if you are looking for something that you know to be a kink for a lot of people, seek out kink material. Of course, you know, you're going to run into some of the same issues, like not everything that, that says it's kinky on the internet is done in a safe, sane and consensual manner, but a lot, actually, I just need to stop for a second. A lot is not done safe, sane and consensually. There are many things that you see on the internet that are not, no. Yeah. And that, that comes from the same exact place of, you know, porn is bad. So is kink. So like, let's not talk about it. Let's not actually educate people about it. Let's just leave people to their own devices and then see what happens. And that can can and does go horribly wrong um because it gets but, shoved down underground so this right. is what ends up happening is we don't talk about it it gets pushed into the underground and once the underground is in it it goes to dark places because it's the underground for yeah. a reason and so and you want to shed light on it yeah and the really scary thing about that is then you know folks who genuinely are kinky and are looking to have a good experience may get taken in easily by people who are like trying to abuse them you know um and that does happen and there's definitely footage of it on the internet you know so my advice would be you know actually just follow Gaia's advice which is find a reputable website that specializes in consensually made kink um because Number one, you're way more likely to be paying for something that was made ethically, um, and you're supporting the people who made it, the producers, directors, performers, everybody. That's great. Um, But you're also likely to see better versions of your kink, which means that you'll be learning better ways that you can safely participate in your own kink. So win-win. Oh, yeah. And also... It's helping you to create your own arousal response in a safe way. Yeah. So I just want to take one little example. Okay. So I get all sorts of interesting emails because of the world that I live in. And um, I've been asked many times if I do trampling, which is a kink. (laughs) Now, when somebody the first time somebody asked me I was like is that what I think it is I don't think that's safe and so uh somebody a bunch of people you know I said send me a link of what you're talking about so I got sent this link that I can never unsee again by the way um of basically this guy getting the shit kicked out of him and stepped all over and kicked and there's no way to actually do that in a safe way that doesn't potentially kill somebody beat them to death is not actually a safe kink to actually participate in real life so that being said if you're going to do something on those lines it needs to not be and it needs to be acted out just like it is and so you would need to make sure that you are watching high production kink porn 
just like we, you know, people don't blow each other up when we watch, you know, Hollywood, like there's stunt doubles and there's all sorts of stuff that needs to happen to make you think that that's what's happening. Right. But it would have to be high, high, high production. So if it's not high, high production, you know, whatever is happening there is dangerous and is not ethical. And that person who ended up participating in that, we don't know if they are landed themselves in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. And we don't know why they were there in the first place. It may not have been consensual. It may not have been consensual. And so I take that just as one example of the things that we may desire and we may want to consume. There is no right or wrong about what we want and what we fantasize about and what we want to consume. Yeah. It's about, are you consuming something that is in line with safety protocols? <laughs> right. And that's a, that is a really tough one. I feel like one of the most difficult things about pornography, as opposed to, you know, erotic writing, which is really for folks who have some squeamishness about whether what they're watching is okay, um, you know, Erotic writing is like a great alternative because <laughs> you're not. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So always consider that. Um, but you know, if you want to explore your your porn options, one of the difficult things about porn is that it is literally where fantasy meets reality. Yeah. And in fantasy world, like Gaia said, like there's there's no wrong in fantasy. Fantasy is what it is. It is your your brain and your heart and your body trying to get what they need by manufacturing ideas. And that is all you. It can't be policed. It can't be it can't be right or wrong. It just is. Yeah. But when putting fantasy into the realm of reality by having people act a fantasy out, there definitely can be wrong. And I think again because Porn doesn't really get talked about in realistic terms very often. It can be really hard to parse where the okay stops and the not okay starts. Um, and I think that is a really difficult question, especially for folks who have, you know, kinks or needs or fantasies that might go into darker territory. It's tough. Um, but the one thing that kink porn really is great for I think especially when you're looking at like the high production value stuff um is showing ways that people with dark fantasies can act them out in ways that are safe and sane and consensual and you know if you're someone who has a darker fantasy finding somebody else who's doing it on the internet and paying them for their work is a great way for you to learn Yes, and I just need to add one caveat to that statement, which is, again, whether it's kink porn or regular porn, it is entertainment and not education. Yes. So if you are there, there are opportunities to spark your imagination as spark your arousal response. And then from that place, especially around kink, um, then that's when you need to go get the education to do it and participate in it safely. Mm, Yeah, good point. Good point. Um, Because, again, 
it's entertainment. It's like, it's just like when you're watching porn, it's entertainment. That is not how you fuck. That is not <laughs> sexual education. Pornography is entertainment, not education. Whatever kind of porn we're talking about. Yeah, porn is a good jumping off point. You it's know, great it's, to stimulate. It's, it's, its point is for entertainment and stimulation. Yeah. And it's great to be able to say, hey, that's a thing I'm into. Look, those people are doing it. Awesome. And then do your own exploration and education process. Yes, that's a very important point. Um, yes. And that's where you can come hang out with me because yeah. that's what I do is the education department of all the, your desires. Yeah. <laughs> How to yeah. do it safely. Right? So you don't get arrested and there's no paperwork and you don't end up in the hospital. I mean, those are not yeah. a good fun outcome of your evening. <laughs> yes. Yes. And from what I hear from like ER doctors, I know that kind of stuff happens all too often. People all not knowing what they're doing and doing. trying stuff that they weren't ready to try. <laughs> because they did not get the education. So education, education, education. <laughs> Allow porn to be your, you know, uh, awakening, but not yeah. your education yeah. part of it. Okay, so what's, uh, give us some, uh, give us some um, places to go. Things okay. that you think of, of good spots for people to start that process. Well, um, I'm going to start with OnlyFans. Like, I know that we were talking earlier about, you know, kind of the ups and downs of OnlyFans. But honestly, if you especially if you have a performer who maybe you have seen in porn scenes and you really liked what they were doing, chances are that right now they have an OnlyFans, which means that you can give money directly to that person for the work that they do, which means that they can make more of their work. And that gives you much more of a direct line of access to that person. So a lot of people on OnlyFans are actually producing exactly the kind of content that their fans want, mm -hmm. which, you know, if you have someone who does stuff that you like already, that is a great way to support them to make sure that that your money is not going to other people instead of them. Um, and it, I mean, it's just like a really good ecosystem. So that would be my first um, recommendation. If you are looking for more, you know, breadth of experiences and more things to choose from, um, depending on what you're into, there are like tons of places online. But um, I would say for people who are particularly interested in ethical pornography, um, a good place to start, like Gaia said, is kink.com. Um, they are one of the most responsible big companies that I know of, not because everything that happens on their sets is always perfect and there's never been any complaints. But when there are complaints, kink.com has always like pivoted as quickly as they can to stop something bad from ever happening again in that way. Um, they actually have like a performer's bill of rights mm -hmm. that they get people to sign. They have written like agreements between performers about what they're going to be doing, what's okay and what's not okay before a scene begins. Um, they usually do like before and after interviews that you can watch, um, yeah. that, you know, shows what they agreed to, how they're feeling after the scene. So they're a pretty good place to go, especially if you're into kinky stuff. Um, if you are into kinky stuff and a little bit more into the queer side of kinky stuff, a really good uh, resource is pinklabel.tv, um, which is run by Pink and White Productions. 
If you are into lesbian entertainment, you have definitely heard of the Crash Pad series or crashpad.com. Um, they, the same company runs both of these. And Pink Label TV is sort of like curated queer content. They have really like old school queer films there. They have new stuff from a whole bunch of directors, producers, performers from all over the world that they curate and put on Pink Label TV. So you can pay, uh, I believe it's like pay one fee and then you have access to pretty much everything that's in there. Um, and it's a, it's a big resource. There's a lot of stuff in there from kinky to vanilla. Um, I also recommend their other website, Crashpad. Uh, I can't remember if it's crashpadseries.com or crashpad.com, but if you look it up, you'll find it. Um, and it's a really fun concept. They've been going for well over a decade now where there's this apartment somewhere in the Bay Area and people pass the key from person to person. And when you have the key, you go to the crash pad and you have sex with whoever you want, however you want. And the, the catch is that there's someone watching all the time. They have like cameras throughout the apartment. Um, so there's some really great stuff. And I've always found that their content is really authentic. Mm -hmm. um, you get all, you know, sometimes solo folks, sometimes two or three or more people, but they're doing things exactly the way that they want to. And they have just started making new content during quarantine with like robotic cameras that are being controlled remotely. So like, if that's, if you're into like the ideas of like AI and robotics and stuff, it's pretty hot. Um, some other good places, let's see. If you are a woman and you are into porn that is made by women for women, there's a whole bunch of great resources out there and they don't always get that much press. So I'm gonna tell you about some of them. Um, one is shush.com. I believe it's three S's and an H.com run by well, Angie. Okay, just, just, just so you know that if you're like, oh, I'm trying to write all this down. Um, <laughs> I will have Lindsay send me over uh, all of these websites so that I can put them in the show notes so that you have an easy way of actually going to them. Cool. Yeah, we can do that. Um, so shush.com is one of the oldest porn for women sites on the internet. Okay. Um, and they do a lot of really cool stuff. They have like quite a wide variety of stuff that they make. Um, from feature films to like individual scenes. And the person who runs it um, is really interested in getting feedback from fans. So actually a lot of the content that they make is based on fantasies that fans wrote to them about. So that's a really cool angle. Nice. Um, there's also, let's see, brightdesire.com um, is run out of Australia by Ms. Naughty. And she's been making really beautiful scenes of a wide variety of, things happening and people involved for years. I really love her stuff. Um, there's also Erica Lust, who has several websites. I don't remember all of them. Um, but the one that I like is xconfessions.com, which is run on a similar model. Um, she has people write into her about their fantasies and experiences. And then she and her team pick which one they're going to act out basically um, really like beautifully filmed and she works really hard on trying to make things ethical also. Um, God, there's so many others. Oh, one of my favorites uh, is 
Aorta Films. They are run out of Brooklyn. It is very queer and a lot of kink, um, sometimes like pretty hardcore kink. So, you know, look into what you're looking at before you purchase a film. I think they have actually a Patreon. They used to have a Patreon. I don't remember if that's still up or not. Um, because they were making hardcore stuff, they may have run into some terms of service issues. Um, but Aorta Films <laughs> made- I pushed the envelope a little bit. <laughs> My little podcast. Yeah. <laughs> envelope pushers. Um, but Aorta Films makes really beautiful content. Um, the person who runs the company got their background in dance. And so a lot of the people that they started making content with also had like performance art and dance backgrounds. So they really integrate like, movement and music with sex in a it's just gorgeous i absolutely love it so those would be my top picks if you start looking those kinds of things up you will probably run into many of the other many many places on the internet that you can find awesome content do you know uh for um you know we talked a lot from a female perspective um what about uh give me uh, a site that is you know, geared towards more male? Well, um, that are still, that, 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 are st- are, that are moving from a place of ethical production? It is, um, it pains me to say that there really aren't, there really aren't very many. Uh, that's not to say there aren't any, but I can't think of any that are specifically aimed at the male. Yeah, I'm not thinking of any. Um, because the truth is that most porn is made with a male viewer in mind. There really hasn't been much of like a, a push for ethically produced content specifically for men because most porn is assumed to be made for men. Um, so, but, but there I, should but be speak, more of it. <laughs> but but there's, a, there's gotta be a company that is making ethical porn. Like they're just making ethical porn. Oh yeah. Um, so so that's what I'm saying. Like they're making ethical porn, so therefore our male audience here, you can go and choose those ethical production porn. Production. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So that so I would like if whether you can think of it off the top of your head, that's fine. When you send me the list, just add add uh, a couple in there. That would be great, so that we can have that. Yeah, I can think of a few people I know of who are definitely making ethical content, but I'm not sure what like the company name would be or if they are uh, where they're putting it, I suppose. Um, But some folks to look for would be uh, Lance Hart. Um, He is a bi guy who does content with other dudes and with women and all variations thereof. and he's been making porn for a long time under a variety of different companies. So I'm not sure where he's at right now, um, but he's very big on, you know, making things as ethical as possible. And he's just a great guy. Um, also, <laughs> you can see what my preferences are as to who I'm going to recommend. But Wolf Hudson um, is also a bisexual guy who's been doing bi porn for a long time um, and has had to really fight to make a career that way because of a whole bunch of politics that go on in the porn industry, being bi and openly bi has been tough. Um, But he's really starting to like get a lot of recognition for that. So look him up, anything that he's in, um, he is very big into consent, making sure that things are ethical on set. So if he's in it, you can pretty much be sure that what you're watching is great. Um, 
And if you're a straight guy and you're not into the bi action, don't worry, he does lots of things with just women. <laughs> you can find lots of that. Um, I'm also thinking like most of the content that I was just talking about that is made you know, with women in mind is still really hot if you're not a woman. Like I don't think that there's very much on any of those sites that someone who does not identify as female would be like, oh, this is totally not for me. Like it's still really hot porn. So I'm just gonna put it out there. You can go to any of those sites no matter what your gender identity is. Um, and another one that I wanted to add that is equally marketed to men and women is makelovenotporn.tv, um, which sounds like it's anti-porn, but it's not. It is all amateur porn that is curated by the team that runs the site. So it's all amateurs. Um, they call it real world sex to kind of make it not amateur or professional, but somewhere in the middle. Um, and they really like, they prize the depictions of people who are just having sex the way that they like to, as opposed to making it look different for the camera. Mm -hmm. And that's a, a really great resource um, in a lot of different ways. Um, sometimes for folks with you know body image issues who are looking for people who look a little more like them. Um, it does skew a little bit more educational on like, this is how you can actually really do it in real life. Um, and the membership is, not very expensive. You can rent individual videos for like three weeks at a time and they actually encourage you to share them with other people. So I think that's really cool. Um, and I think anybody of any gender identity can find something they like there. Beautiful. Okay, thank you. All right, last thing. What's the one thing that you want our audience take away? What's the takeaway? Hmm. I think actually what we were talking about a little while ago about how your fantasies aren't wrong um, and seeking out quality entertainment on the internet that shows those fantasies being put into real life is fine too. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, just use all of the parameters that we have set forth to try to guide your search for what you're looking for so that you end up doing it as ethically as you can so that you don't have to feel bad afterward. I think in a lot of ways, that's kind of the big takeaway. Like, yes, I want you to be monetarily supporting the people who made the content. I think that's a big piece of the puzzle, but I don't want you to walk away from any experience that you had that involves your arousal response, feeling like you did something wrong. I, so, I think that's beautiful. I love yeah. that. That, that was so perfectly said. I couldn't have said I, that better. I couldn't have even said that better. That was awesome. Well done. Well done. Porn expert right here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, yes. Shame. There's no room for shame or guilt. And if yeah. you can find the parameters and fall within those parameters, it prevents us from feeling shame and guilt. Um then that's even better. Yeah. Okay. So thanks, Lindsay, yet again, for another fabulous episode of On My Orgasmic Life. You never know what we're going to talk about. And uh, so audience, talking about now that you, we've talked about ethical consumption, I'm going to reiterate 
Have you been consuming me ethically lately? <laughs> I don't think you have. <laughs> so I lovingly invite you to correct that, course correct that, by <laughs> joining my Patreon account. Um, where you can get all sorts of free bonus content that you only get for my Patreon people. Also, don't forget to check out Tickle.Life's podcast. I also host Tickle.Life's podcast. And we are always looking for guests to share. We've changed the direction a little bit of Tickle.Life's podcast that it is now about the first experiences of things. So if anybody has a story that they want to tell and a first about anything, it can be a first, your first kiss. It can be the first time you had anal sex. It could be your first gangbang. It could be first anything um, in the realm of like relationships and sexuality. So we want to hear about it and we can make it so that it's anonymous if you don't want the world to know it's from you. So that information on how to become a guest for Tickle.Life will be also in the show notes at the bottom of the show notes. And again, don't forget to listen to My Orgasmic Life. Tell your friends. Have a Can I do a quick plug for my podcast since you were on it? Yes, just hold on. Let me just finish my whole spiel for a second and then you can totally do that. Um, and don't forget to visit me at... Uh, GaiaMorissette.com. That's the hub. That's the entry point into the world of all things Gaia. Um, and you can find wherever, whether it's healing, whether it's BDSM, whether it's sexual education um, and, you know, sexual wellness, you can find, it'll direct you to the right place. So you do not end up somewhere where you're like, I'm traumatized Gaia. So follow the right path, okay? I've laid out the path for you. Follow the path so that you're not traumatized. Only good things happen at the end of that pathway, all right? Okay, yes, Lindsay, plug away. So um, I also have a podcast. Uh, it is called Ourgasm, and that's spelled with an H, you know, very cleverly, um, where I and my co-host, Lenny Peppers, are aiming to decolonize sexuality and gender by tackling a whole bunch of different subjects. And I'm really excited because Gaia was on the most recent episode that we recorded. It is not up yet. So if you follow Ourgasm, you can go to ourgasmpodcast.com or find us, I believe on social media, we are at Gasm Hour because at Ourgasm was taken by somebody who's not using it, grr. Um, but if you follow us, then when Gaia's episode goes up, probably in about a month's time, you will be able to access that and we'll, you know, post about it. So it'll be easier for you to find. So I would love it if folks would listen to that. That would be beautiful. And just so you know, by the way, uh, audience, I talk about things that I don't really talk about that you guys don't hear coming out of my mouth on my show. So it was quite radical. There was a lot of <laughs> radical ideas and conversations. So again, content, read the description about the content before you start listening so you're not traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not ready to come play with me there. Okay. So very important. <laughs> yes. Just as I remember, I always come with a content warning. So yeah. read the content warning to find out if this is a safe space for you. Smart, smart. All right. Thanks for listening. Mwah. I love you all. And we'll see you next week or 
or you listen to me next week. <laughs>